This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I'm Damian Bulwa, and this is Fifth Admission. That familiar sound you just heard was longtime San Francisco cable car grip man Val Lupiz working the bells. It's a sound that few have heard since March 16, 2020, the day cable cars were shut down across San Francisco as the coronavirus spread. A year has now passed, and there's still no timeline for the return of the cable cars, and the question has been raised, could one of the city's icons be in trouble? We have the perfect person to ask about cable cars today. That's my co-host on Fifth and Mission, Heather Knight, City Hall columnist, cable car expert. Heather, how are you? Good. That is very generous to call me an expert, but I do love them. I'm definitely an aficionado, and I once served as a judge in the annual cable car bell ringing contest. Wow. Wow. I did notice a video of you last week. You were working the bells. Someone was trying to show you how. It was impressive. It was not impressive, um, but I, I tried it. The cable cars are not running, but they are on display three days a week at either the Powell or Hyde turnaround, so you can go out and find them for pictures, but not to ride. I got to board one and attempt to ring a cable car bell, and it was um, pretty embarrassing. They're, they're, it's a lot harder than it looks. I thought it was fine. It was all in the wrist. I thought you were, <laughs> I thought you were doing great. So, so Heather, this, the trouble that's going on with the cable cars is obviously part of this larger story in the pandemic where our transportation systems are in trouble, but the cable cars have a special place in our hearts. So what's going on? Right. So they're part of the San Francisco Municipal Transportation Agency, like muni buses and streetcars and all the other transit you see um, around San Francisco. They were the first to go out back in March for fear of the coronavirus spreading between passengers and operators. And they've been tucked away in their barn at Washington and Mason ever since. They're wrapped in plastic um, to prevent um, damage from pigeon poop, literally. <laughs> and it's wow. just like the saddest sight. Um, I got to see the barn the other day as well. And this, the even sadder thing is that there's no timeline for their return. I interviewed Jeffrey Tumlin, the head of the SFMTA. Um, he would not put a date on it. I, I think I tried asking him about 10 different ways, but no date given, not even a promise that they'll be back in all of 2021. Heather, this is obviously a system that, that has more than a, the value of just carrying people across town, right? Right. It's beloved in San Francisco. Tourists just flock to it. I got the list of the top tourist sites cited by um, tourists who visit from SF Travel, and it's in the top five along, you know, other big names like Alcatraz and the Golden Gate Bridge and Golden Gate Park. It's just one of those things that all tourists who come here want to ride. And it brings in a lot of money because the fares keep going up. It costs $8 a person each way. So that's $16 per person, including children. So a family of four is paying a ton of money to ride these things. And they do it. You've seen the lines um, at the Powell Street turnaround that just snake around and around and people wait hours to ride those things. So they're really valuable. Small business owners in Union Square and Fisherman's Wharf 
rely on them. I heard the Buena Vista Cafe, which serves the San Francisco's famous Irish coffee has been pleading for these to come back because that's how everybody gets to their bar. They bring in not just the fair money, but they spread the wealth at all the tourist places that they they go to. Plus, locals love them. And a lot of people actually commute on these, particularly on the California line, um, which goes uh, east, west across uh, much of the city. All right. So what's what's the issue? I mean, do they have deeper issues than the, the rest of the transportation system? Yeah, uh, there's major financial problems for Muni. Even before the pandemic hit, they had a 50 million structural deficit. That was just, you know, a problem each and every year because the way they make their money is through parking meters and other parking revenue and um, bus fare and cable car fare. And those are not keeping up with the cost of paying people who work for Muni and paying for vehicles and parts and maintenance. Um, everything is just getting so much more expensive in the city and the revenue is not keeping up with how much it costs to maintain this giant fleet. So in other words, you would have to charge a sort of obscene amount if you really wanted to recoup your cable car money. Right. And Muni has, I think, wisely and and um, appropriately charged a variety of people less than they used to, low-income children. So the revenue has dropped even more. They don't want to change that, but it just leaves an even bigger gap. You mentioned some of the business owners being really concerned that the cable cars aren't there. I mean, how much of, of the cable cars being out there is something that you need for sort of the larger tourism landscape to return to San Francisco? Well, let's put it this way. When one uh, well-known PR man in San Francisco found out I was working on this column, he immediately was sending me statements from the Hotel Council, the Union Square Business Improvement District, SF Travel, um, you name it. Everyone wanted to weigh in on this. Um, it is crucial that cable cars are back. Union Square is deserted. It's like boarded up in plywood and the square is empty. The shops are struggling. Tourists are just beginning to come back in small numbers. I had another recent column about the St. Francis Hotel. Um, they finally saw their busiest weekend on the long weekend of President's Day um, when a third of their 1,200 rooms were full. That was just people driving in from around the Bay Area for a change of scenery and, and a little break from the doldrums of the pandemic. But they are seeing more people come, but they don't think that anything will rebound significantly with out the cable cars. All right. I want to ask you more about this issue. But first, before the break, Heather, I wanted to see if you I can test your your knowledge of the cable all car right. system. First of all, uh, when did the cable cars start in San Francisco? 1873. All right. And how do they work? So the barn at Washington and Mason has these giant wheels that spin cables that run under the streets of San Francisco. Um, they just are constantly moving. And the gripmen, there's two people who work on a cable car, the conductor who takes fares and greets people and kind of runs the show and the gripman who controls the grip. Um, and so this big, long metal pole reaches down below the bottom of the cable car into the street and grasps this cable. And when it's grasping it, the cable car is pulled along and up the hills. Even Knob Hill, this cable can can pull this giant cable car and all the passengers. And then when you want to stop, you release the grip and you're not moving anymore. All right. What was the name of the engineer on the first cable car line in San Francisco? The person who invented them was Andrew Halliday. Okay, good. Yes, he, um, it was very hard to get horse-drawn carriages up the giant hills of San Francisco, including Knob Hill, and so he created this system. And it used to be many, many more lines fanning out around San Francisco, and cable cars were the main way people got up and down the hills without uh, brutalizing their horses. But um, they've, they're obviously very expensive, very old-fashioned. The technology is obviously 
way out of date um, compared to innovative San Francisco. But I say we need to keep them because even if they're difficult to maintain and expensive, they're invaluable to San Francisco. All right, more on that in a minute. But Heather, I want to tell you that the engineer on the first cable car line was William Eppelsheimer. So, um, what? That's a trick question. But Andrew Halliday did create the system. Well, it wasn't a trick question. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. We'll be right back. More on Fifth and Mission with Heather Knight right after this. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Welcome back to Fifth and Mission. I'm Damian Bulwa, joined by my co-host on the program, Heather Knight, San Francisco Chronicle columnist. We're talking about the cable cars in San Francisco and about how there's no timeline for getting them back up and running. Okay, Heather, before we get going again, the, here's a couple questions that I know you know the answer to. What is the max speed of cable cars in San Francisco? Nine miles an hour. That's the speed at, that that cable moves through the streets. That seems so slow. That's why it's it's such a throwback. Like nobody's, it's so such a different experience than zooming around in the back of an Uber. It's so much more pleasant, romantic, classic San Francisco. All right, and who was the rock star who appeared with Mayor Dianne Feinstein in the early 1980s when she managed to save the cable cars? Mick Jagger. Wow. They ca <laughs> there was a ton of work that needed to be done on the cable cars that was going to be super expensive. A lot of city officials just said, let's scrap these things. We, we can't do it. To her major credit, Dianne Feinstein said, no, we are going to save the cable cars. She launched a major fundraising campaign and PR effort that included Mick Jagger, and they managed to raise enough money. They actually closed the system for two years from 1982 to 1984 to rehab like the whole thing and get it back up and running. And they've been running ever since. Well, until last March. But um, the cable car Griffin are extremely hopeful they come back soon and that we do not come anywhere near that record of two years of out of service. All right. So there is a history of these cable cars being somewhat threatened over the years, huh? Yes. And some Gritman I talked to are convinced that Jeffrey Tumlin is just kind of easing the way and that that will be the eventual answer. And he's just kind of breaking it to us gently. He says that is not true. He loves the cable cars um, and they will be back. He said, let there be no doubt. That is a quote. But like I said before, he will not say when. And he said, we just need a lot more money to make um, the SFMTA work and including these expensive um, cable cars. And so he is likely to put a ballot measure on the city ballot next year that would raise money to kind of eliminate the structural deficit that the SFMTA has now, in which case the cable cars should be fine. Um, he was really desolate about a month or two ago when he thought there was no way to save the cable cars and that he would have to actually lay off 1,200 bus drivers. But due to Biden's election and federal stimulus money, um, much of it uh, is for public transit, including Muni, and the cable cars are saved and there are no layoffs and he feels okay through the first quarter of 2023. But that's after that, it's back to this big problem. And um, that's why this ballot measure will probably be needed to come to the rescue. 
Well, what about the workers? I mean, what's happening to them now? And is there concern that if they are shifted around that they might not be able to be brought back? Yeah, um, I was uh, talking to a bunch of them at that um, cable car on display the other day. And they said the longer these stay out of service, the harder it's going to be to bring them back because it's a very very highly skilled profession being a Gritman, especially um, Val Lupis, my friend and Gritman buddy, um, spent six months just learning how to do this job. And he told me that his hands were like claws at the end of every day because you're pulling this thing so hard. And learning how to do that is is really challenging. You can't just pick anybody off the street to run a cable car tomorrow. It's a lot more involved than that. Um, when it's fully staffed, there's about 168 people um, working on them. They're down to 103. There's been a number of retirements and people taking leaves of absence lately. Um, those who remain are working in a variety of jobs. For example, Val Lupis, um, two days a week gets to be staffing this cable car on display, but the other three days he's a custodian in the bus yard, which is a very different job than being a gritman on a cable car and meeting people from around the world every day. So um, others are are directing traffic at the city's mass uh, vaccine sites or driving buses or um, other kinds of jobs like that. But the longer they're in other jobs, they may forget their skills. And even if Muni were to say today, we're bringing the cable cars back, let's get them back and up and running. It takes four to six months to do that because under the rules, all of these people need to be recertified to make sure that they haven't lost the skills and they need to do a lot of testing on the cars and the cables and the rest of the system to make sure that they're running properly. All right, let's get back to your take, Heather. I feel like this is Number one, a very easy position. Uh, no one's going to expect you to come out against <laughs> the San Francisco cable cars, but make make your case here. Um, I have loved the cable cars since I was a kid, but I really fell in love with them um, the day that our colleague Peter Hartlob and I uh, did Total Muni. That was the crazy day in 2018 when we rode every cable car, streetcar, and bus in San Francisco in one day over the course of 18 grueling hours. The worst part was definitely starting at 2.30 in the morning. Um, we were on mid-market. It was dark. It was really scary, this um, deranged person like got in the face of me and the photographer and we were having a lot of second thoughts about taking on this challenge. But, um, that's the morning I met Val Lupis. He was the gritman on the uh, first cable car of the day at dawn. And we got on at 6am and rode the cable car up Knob Hill. And you could literally see the sun rising and a pink sky behind the Transamerica pyramid. And that was the moment that I really developed a love for cable cars. And ever since then, um, I've loved writing them. Um, Peter and I have decorated cable cars um, in Chronicle paraphernalia every Christmas with big signs saying extra, extra, read all about it. And um, we've hung out at the barn a lot. And they're just such a key part of San Francisco history. We've lost so much already in the pandemic, so many businesses and iconic places. And I feel that losing these would just be devastating. All right. Well, I won't disagree, Heather. And uh, before I let you go, though, I have one more piece of trivia. Who was the first place winner in the cable car bell ringing contest <laughs> in 2007? Well, I'm assuming the answer is Byron Cobb because he has won eight years mm. and he mm. is the eight. This is not quite right. Byron Cobb was hmm. the 2005 winner. It might be Carl Payne. He also has, I believe, eight wins. 2003. Oh, geez. You expect me to know every winner from every year? 
All right. Well, it was Leonard Oates. Um, <laughs> what? So, sorry. Sorry to Mr. <laughs> sorry, Leonard. Sorry, I don't Leonard. know you. <laughs> Good effort. Um, but we should give a shout out to Byron Cobb, who is the reigning cable car champion. He won the year that I judged. Um, and he is like literally an ambassador to the city. Despite the fact that he wears a Dodgers hat, he is great in every other way. And he's a gritman on the California line. And he's been doing this for 39 years. Everyone who lives near there knows him. He has this huge beaming smile, super friendly, loves tourists, um, chats them up, knows all the locals, and he's constantly ringing his bell up and down um, California Street. And I was so sad when I talked to him the other day, and he's just beyond frustrated that the cars have been out for so long. He's driving a bus, a shuttle bus now, taking his bus drivers from the BART to the bus yard, and it's just not the same. He has a bell at home that he used to play for fun, and he doesn't do that anymore. He says that um, Muni has been determined to get rid of the cable cars for decades, and that the pandemic gave them the bullet for their gun. So that was quite a quote. All right, Heather, on that note, Thanks for joining me. That was fun. It was fun to chat with you. Thanks to my guest today, Heather Knight, Chronicle columnist and co-host of the Fifth of Mission podcast. Thanks to Taya Francesca Price for producing this episode. And thank you for listening.